Liz Sumner, and this is I Always Wanted To, the podcast where I interview people who are doing things that others long to do. What have you always wanted to try? everyone. I just wanted to say welcome to new listeners and subscribers. I'm really glad you're here. Thanks for checking us out. I have a couple of favors to ask before we get started. If you like what you hear, could you share it with your friends and maybe leave us a review on Apple Podcasts? That would be really helpful. I'd also really like to get to know who's been listening. And I have a survey. You can find it at lizsumner.com survey. If it would just take a minute to fill it out, I'd really appreciate it. And if you are a real fan of the show, you can also find me at patreon.com alwayswanted. Thank you all for your support. Here's the interview. My guest today is Simone Canego. In 2015, Simone climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, the highest mountain in Africa and the fourth highest of the seven summits. She's also the mother of six, an entrepreneur, and author of The Extraordinary Unordinary You. Welcome, Simone. Thank you so much for having me with you today. So tell me, have you always been a high achiever? Uh, good question. <laughs> um, you know, I, I always like to challenge myself. I would say that, that I, I feel that it's important mentally and physically to see what we're capable of. And I believe that everybody, you know, is capable of what they put their mind to. And so that I, I, I would say it that way. And, and yes, I like, I have high expectations for myself. So I would say, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> okay. So, so tell me, how did you get to Kilimanjaro? What led you to make that trip? So the year before I made that trip, a friend of ours did that trip. And the way I tell the story is that he called my husband, who is one of his closest friends, and said, hey, Rob, do you want to climb Kilimanjaro this year? They're looking for people again. And Rob said, one, two, three, no, thank you, call Simone. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> And of course, they called me and I said, absolutely, I would love to. And uh, I was like, hmm, it wasn't a bucket list, but it became a bucket list item. I was like, wow, this is a really great opportunity. So I was really excited to, to be able to do something completely out of my comfort zone. What went through your head when, when he asked you? So, you know, it's actually, it's, it was a unique trip because beyond just the climbing of Kilimanjaro, it was a philanthropy trip. So it was working with an organization called the Livestrong Foundation. We are raising funds and awareness for that organization. So I was traveling with 16 people that I had never met before. So obviously there's, there's that piece that is completely different than, you know, just going with, you know, my family on a trip somewhere. Really what went through my head is I'm going to commit myself to this. And when I commit myself to something, I don't back down. So I would have people say to me, do you think you really can make it to the summit? Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> I, I'm sure I can make it to the summit. This is, this is why I'm doing it. If I was, if I would doubt myself, I wouldn't even think about it. Like this is, it's in my head saying, I'm going to make it to the top, you know, and there was kind of like those, I don't want to say there were really fears, but questions of like, what is this going to be like? I mean, this is not something I've ever experienced before. So, you know, sleeping in a tent, how cold is it going to be at night? Uh, you know, all these things, where am I going to the bathroom? Uh, things <laughs> that, you know, <laughs> that, that I hadn't thought about before I signed up for something like this. 
So you hadn't done any kind of mountain climbing before? No, I um, of course we've gone hiking, but you know, not at any serious elevation and, you know, I've gone camping, but I live in Florida, so um, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't get very cold here and it's uh, pretty flat. So, <laughs> um, so this was a first experience for me. And uh, what did you have to do to prepare? So I trained for about six months. I would say that probably people train for longer, but um, because of when I signed up for the trip, that was about the time I had. And I was in the gym every day. Again, Florida, no hills. I mean, we have one hill. The one hill we have, um, it used to be a trash dump and they turned it into a park. And so it's great because you climb, you, you feel like you've accomplished something as you climb over the, uh, the, the, the trash mount. Um, <laughs> um, but I was in the gym every day. I would put the treadmill to the max elevation it would go to and just one foot in front of the other, not not going fast because when you're doing a climb like this, it's not about how fast you make it to the top. It's, you know, staying centered and really, you know, focusing on your breathing and small steps. And then I would wear, I think my kids thought this was the best part. I would wear, um, it was called an elevation training mask. And so it goes over your entire face and it has these valves on each side and you can adjust the valves to mirror what you know, your, your lung capacity would be at that elevation. Oh, so, that's good. so you'd have to breathe really hard, you know, in re very hard when you got to like the max it would go was 18,000 feet. So, you know, you're really trying to get these breaths in. Now, obviously it doesn't account for, you know, the chemical change that happens at at an elevation like that, but it does build your lung capacity. And it's funny after I used that, you know, I remember swimming in the pool and thinking I can hold my breath for like a minute now, which I was never able to do before. So, um, it was a lot of, it was a lot of training, but I definitely was in the best shape of my life. And, um, I felt really ready to go. Like I was like, okay, I can do this. And the other thing I did was I made sure that any hikes I did, I wore my boots because I think that was such an important piece to get my boots ready so that I wasn't suffering with blisters and, you know, everything else that I could have been suffering with. So, so that was really helpful. And, you know, I would wear my pack around. And so again, the kids love that, you know, here I am walking around with a backpack and, you know, with whatever, 20 pounds of stuff and my, my boots on <laughs> made for some uh, good laughs. <laughs> that's great. I admire your preparation and doing what it takes. So, so did it pay off? Were you, were you relatively comfortable uh, after all that preparation? Yeah, I, I was, I mean, I think, you know, no matter what, how much you prepare, there are things you can't account for, but I really never felt like there was not a moment where I said, I won't be able to do this. So I definitely feel like I prepared properly. There were moments where I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can get out of the tent to go to the bathroom. It's so cold outside. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the actual climb itself, and I was fortunate because when we did get to the summit, I definitely, my body really reacted in a good way to the low levels of oxygen. I really didn't struggle like other people did. Um, my body was like, oh, it's not so bad up here. <laughs> good, good. Yeah. Okay, so let me take you back. And and had you been to Africa before? Yeah, I've actually, time? so um, we have two children from Ethiopia. So um, I've actually been to Ethiopia four times and, and I had been to Ghana before. So, you know, I had some idea. Obviously, it's completely different no matter what country you go to. I had a little bit in my head of, of what things were, similarities, you know, what, what I would see in terms of similarities. 
And okay, so take us on the trip. So you leave Florida, you fly into where? So we flew into, I can't, I, I can't remember where I transferred flights, but I think it was in Atlanta. And, um, and then we went over to Tanzania and it was, it was an entire day that I traveled for, um, obviously between getting to the stopping point, you know, I live in Sarasota, which is not a very big airport, so you can't really go too many places from here, you know, so getting to a major hub and then from there waiting and then from there flying into Tanzania and, I think I traveled over 24 hours in total to get where I was going. And so I actually um, decided to arrive a day early. A few people from the trip decided to do the same so that, you know, you have that data kind of, you know, I, I'm 48 years old now. I was 42 years old when I did the hike. Some of the people were in their 20s, <laughs> a little bit different. I kind of needed that day of rest to, uh, you know, prepare myself to, to get started. And it was the right choice for sure. And did you know any of the other people on the trip? No, they were complete strangers. And I think that's one of the things that made it the most interesting for me and really special, actually. You know, you think that you're traveling with, it's one thing to go on a trip with 16 people and, you know, you're on a bus or whatever, but to actually climb a mountain with 16 strangers where you have to work together as a team and figure out how you're going to move forward, really an amazing leadership challenge. And, you know, I still keep in contact with the majority of the people from the trip and really, really special moments. But again, you, you arrive in this situation and it, you know, thinking enough, okay, like I'm doing something I've never done before. And I'm with people that I have no idea, you know, how they even like their coffee, you know, forget how they're (laughs) going to climb the mountain. So I know next to nothing about mountain climbing, but is Kilimanjaro does, is there a path or do you have like uh, sheer faces where you have to use the the pitons and stuff like that, the ropes? It's more, it's so the reason that it was a reasonable thing for me to do is it's more of, it's a hike. So, you know, I say that I hiked Kilimanjaro, I climbed Kilimanjaro, but I hiked Kilimanjaro. There are places when you're doing the final summit where you're kind of climbing over some boulders, but in general, there are paths and there are different routes to take up, but we, we took a longer route, which served us really well because some of the shorter routes, if you're not prepared, if you're not acclimatized, it's very hard to to get used to that uh, elevation at a, at, a, at a quick speed. So it was five days up, two days down. And I was just looking at it the other day thinking, I know we, we walked a ton of miles, but the actual route has about 44 miles, but you start before, before you're, you're, you're walking for quite a bit before you get to the route. So I want to say that my tent mate kept, kept track of it. It was like 60 something miles that we had walked, which you don't realize it because, you know, you're just, you're, you know, a little bit every day. And then you're like, wow, that was pretty, that was pretty extreme. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think so. Okay. So tell me about the five days. What's it like going up? You said that it was cold. So what was the temperature different at the bottom and, <laughs> and gets colder as you rise? Yeah. So one of the most interesting things I think is that you go through all these different climate zones. So you start in the, um, the rainforest. So it's very humid and buggy and warm. So our first camp was still in a, in, in a low area. And so, you know, it's warm, you know, and then the next one you're, then the next day you're up in the low Alpine area and then the next day, low Alpine to high Alpine. And then 
a high alpine area. And then the, in the summit, obviously you're going to the glacial zone. So that's a really interesting piece that you're not just in the glacial zone the entire time you start. So you have to have layers and layers and things mm-hmm. that come mm-hmm. off and go on and, <laughs> and it makes it really a really unique piece to it. Is it crowded on the path? Uh, are, were there lots of other groups? So the time when we went, it was not crowded at all. I'm trying to think there were other, there were a couple of other groups, but in general, it was, we were pretty much, you know, in our own place, our campgrounds were our own, where we, where we camped. I think the most interesting part is the, uh, the porters, you carry your pack with what you need for the day, but they carry the tents, the food tents. Yeah. And, and also like your sleeping bags, there's, there's actually, and I, and I can't remember the exact weight, but I think that the rule is the, the hikers can only carry 20 pounds in their pack. So, um, and that's, again, we're trying to maintain the land, right? So if you're carrying tons of stuff, you are more likely to be destroying what you're walking on. Um, Mm -hmm. So the porters, um, and they fly by you on the path. (laughs) They're just (laughs) like, they like run up the mountain. And um, it was, it was that, that was like amazing to see how, how strong and how agile and, and then getting to, so we would do our piece. We get to the camp. The camp is already set up for us. There is like a food tent and the, what I think what was so fun was the, um, you know, they they bring someone that, that cooks for you and, they make amazing food, like just in the middle of nowhere, you know, they take the water out of the streams and they have to treat it with iodine. So, you know, you got to get used to that taste, but the, the food was just truly, truly amazing. You would get there and they'd have popcorn ready for you. And you're like, where am I? This is like a resort. (laughs) (laughs) You're not like on the edge of a cliff when you're camping. You're not, it feels like a campground. Yeah. It feels like, you know, again, because they, the way they set up the tents, you really feel like you're, you are at a campground. Um, there, they do have camping, like they have sites specifically where you can set up your tent. And so included in that site, there's something that they call uh, a long drop, which is the, the, the bathroom while hiking. So basically mm-hmm. it's, it's a long drop off the side of the cliff. <laughs> so you have to like position yourself appropriately to go to the bathroom, uh, through a wood, a hole in the wood floor. And <laughs> the thing's not going to fall off the side of the mountain. You don't have to worry about that, but it's just a very interesting, uh, again, a unique piece of the trip was learning how to go to the bathroom as you, <laughs> as you're, you know, forget summiting the mountain, learning how to go to the bathroom was a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's the, I, I would say the only part where things were the night before you summit, we stayed at the, the camp right at, right at the base of Kilimanjaro where you're at about 15,000 feet and it's very windy there. Cause now you're, you know, in the high Alpine area, there's, there's nothing, there's no trees left. And, and mm-hmm. so you get up really early to, to make the, the final summit and you can't see, I mean, you have your flashlight, you have your headlamp, but, um, you're just basically one foot in front of the other following the person in front of you. And so some of those trails were actually quite skinny and I don't, we didn't really realize that until the next morning, once the sun came up and we were coming back down, cause that's obviously that's when you can see everything. I don't think, I don't think it's a concern where 
people have, you know, I honestly don't know if people have fallen before, but you know, you just, you have really good guides and they just show you where to go and how to do it. And, but it was interesting coming back down and seeing, oh, I went through that. Wow. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So was that, was that where you, you left before the sun rose and then you went to the summit? How long were you on the summit? Yeah. So we, um, I think we, I can't remember if we left at 11 PM or 1 AM, but around there is when we left, um, so that you would get to, so there's actually three summits to, so you arrive at the first summit right around, um, sunrise. And so, which is obviously a beautiful, uh, sight to see. So I want to say that took us about until about five 30 in the morning. And then we, I think we were at the final summit around 11 o'clock and then we only stayed there maybe 45 minutes. We didn't stay very long. Obviously when you're at that high elevation, you can't stay that long. You know, they're checking our oxygen levels. I think mine was down to 76 where obviously Mm. it's typically a hundred, especially in Florida. Some of the people were down in the fifties and which Mm. obviously isn't a safe thing. So, and Mm -hmm. they were getting kind of loopy and, and so it was, it was time to go back down. So basically, you know, you enjoyed the moment and we had a, it was beautiful because there was true. The sun was truly out. The sky was blue. I had my friend that climbed it the year before. It was snowing and raining and oh. messy, uh, which mm. may obviously adds another level of difficulty mm-hmm. to it to mm-hmm. a climb like that. But yeah, it was just it was beautiful. And then going back down and seeing, you know, looking back down the path, seeing what you accomplished, I think you know was a really, it was it was a really unique, really amazing feeling to kind of say I did that. I did that. So that's pretty cool. Uh, were you ever scared? No, I don't think I was. I think again, we had such a great team that it just, it made everything, it, we just worked so well together. I think that was part, part of it. Like if anybody was struggling, like there was a day where I, I was tired. And so, you know, other people took some stuff out of my pack and the same for other people. Like we would share stuff if someone looked like they were having a hard time. So, you know, we are really surrounded by such a great group of people that made it even more powerful. So I, I I don't think I have, maybe if I would have seen what we were climbing up at the end in the light, maybe that would have been intimidating, but since I already did it and I was just having to sit down over it, it was okay. What were some high points and low points? So one of the best high points for me, um, there was a couple of uh, funny things, but we, um, my daughter's first grade class was um, very involved in this whole thing. Her teacher was like so fascinated that I was doing this. So I would, when I had cell service, I would call, I would send pictures. And so, and then I would call into the classroom and all the kids would be like, where are you? Where are you? (laughs) Um, So that was really, that was really fun. I also, for my one of my cousins, they were doing this. I don't know if you've heard of Flat Stanley. So it's this, it's a children's book and he basically gets mailed around in an envelope all over the world. And so she said, we have to do this project for school and we're supposed to take pictures of Flat Stanley, you know, in different places. Would you take him with you up to the summit of Kilimanjaro? Um, I don't know if anybody's done that before. So that was like a really, she was like so excited by it when I sent her the pictures when we got back down of Flat Stanley at the summit of Kilimanjaro. <laughs> She's like, I'm the only kid that has this. I'm so excited. Um, but actually when we got to the first summit, I took out my phone to take a picture of the sunrise and I did have cell service. So I was able to call my family and the kids were all cheering. And so that was a really, that was a really cool moment. 
And there was a lot of high points. I mean, just again, meeting, meeting these people, you know, my tent mate is a breast cancer survivor. Mm-hmm. A lot of the people on the trip were cancer survivors, or they were hiking in honor of someone, a family member that maybe had passed away or that was in treatment. So the, the energy was just so, you know, it was just, everything was so positive, you know, that was just mm-hmm. that piece I think was, that was definitely a high point and seeing and seeing how you can accomplish something with complete strangers, you know, really, really looking at leadership in a different light and how, how important it is to work together as a team, no matter what you're doing. There weren't too many low points. I mean, I struggled with sleep. I got sick from the water. There were three days where I was struggling, but again, getting, psyching yourself up to have to get out of the tent in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. That was a little tough. You know, it's funny, like the things that I thought were difficult. I can't really say that there were really low points because I want to say that everything that we did along that trip kind of brought us to the summit. So, and that's kind of how I look at my life. It's like all these struggles that I have along the way, they bring me to this place and time where I am right now. And so if I didn't have them, I probably wouldn't be here. So I, I, I like all of it. <laughs> okay. So if somebody was very intrigued by the idea of Kilimanjaro because of its size and accessibility and various things like that, what resources would you recommend to, uh, to someone who's interested? Yeah. So there's so many um, organizations that do this climb. If you just research it, I would say if you have the time, do the longer route we did. It was the wrong guy route that we did. And again, it's, it's a week, it can be seven or eight days, but the chance of summiting is much greater. There's shorter routes, but again, your body has a hard time getting used to the elevation. So, and you get to enjoy the beauty, like you, you know, you, you get to spend the time really seeing what this area is like and going through all the different climate zones, which is truly amazing. But yeah, if you just if you just do a, a search online, you can see all these different groups that do it. And there are probably still, I don't think the Livestrong Foundation is doing it in, anymore, but I think that there are probably still some philanthropic organizations that are doing climbs like this where what's better than completing a challenge and being philanthropic at the same time and nothing to me. So I think if you research that, you could find you know organizations that are doing that as well, which to me made it even more meaningful because it really created a group of people that were going for the same purpose. It wasn't just summoning the mountain. It was honoring other people. And to me, that was really important. That's beautiful. So you're now coaching leadership. Is that, am I correct? So I'm actually not coaching, but I am, because I wrote this book, I do motivational speaking. That's really my, my focus right now. I've had, I've had that question before and I don't think I'm at that point yet, but we'll see what happens in the future. Tell me about some of the other aspects that, that make you who you are. I think, you know, one of the biggest things is, you know, being a mom of, of six kids, you know, we adopted our youngest three. We have a son from South Korea and two children from Ethiopia and three children that look like me. (laughs) You know, I think that I learn new things every day and I, I really believe, you know, I, I think I struggled for a long time understanding my value. I think we all do. I think that's kind of part of life, right? We always want to be something that we're not. And um, I realized that I am exactly where I'm supposed to be. And 
And so I'm a big believer in that you don't need to change yourself. You need to change the way you see yourself. And I think that's serving me really well. I think it's serving my children really well. And, you know, that's really, really my focus. It's the message of my book. It's the message of, of my life and, and, and understanding that the little things you do every day, you don't have to be the celebrity on stage to change the world. It's the little things you do every day. It's conversations like this that really do impact people. And I think it's so important to take a step back and realize that you're already doing these things, right? And that that you already are impacting people. And I think we, we sometimes forget that. And so I needed that reminder. And so that's that's what I do every day is remind people that, you know, let's look at the positive and you already have all these great things going on and you just don't realize it. So let's realize it. That's wonderful. Well said. So what's your next big challenge? So right now I don't have a challenge in place, which isn't like me, but again, we're kind of going through probably the biggest challenge of our lives, right? With the pandemic. So, you know, it's something to discuss in the future. It was funny when I got back from this, my kids were like, okay, what's the next mountain? And then not too long after I was back, there was the earthquake at Everest. And then the kids were like, mm. maybe not a next mountain. <laughs> 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 but I'm thinking about it. So right now I'm really focused on, you know, getting my message out, talking to people and and really trying to, to share positivity and, and happiness, because I feel that, you know, by sharing my stories and I think that that's, that's a big challenge for me right now is kind of just trying to make people feel good about themselves, trying to help them realize again, what they're capable of. So that's it for right now. And then, and then we'll see, you know, my, my husband said, I actually didn't um, let my family read the book before I finished it, except for one daughter, because she was very helpful and she could take a step back and not try to change my stories. So my husband, once I finished editing everything and we actually had a physical book, that's when he read it. And he's so, he's so funny. He said, I thought that, I mean, I, of course I was going to support you no matter what, because we're married, but I really, I really love the book. Okay. What are you going to write next? <laughs> so, uh, I guess right now I'm collecting stories. <laughs> I am collecting stories to figure out what I'm writing next. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. If I find a new challenge, I will definitely take it. I love your stories and your attitude. Uh, is there anything you want to say in conclusion? I would just say that when a challenge comes in front of you, take the chance to do it. Believe in yourself. That challenge really changed my life. All of the challenges in my life, my six children, all of those things have changed my life. But I think that going with the attitude of I can do this versus I can't and our family can't means won't. So um, just really moving forward with uh, I can do this and believe in yourself. Take the time for yourself. It's important to sometimes be a little selfish. like taking two weeks away from my kids to climb a mountain, but it's an important kind of selfish because that way the people around you are inspired to realize what they're capable of. That's beautiful and perfect for what I want to accomplish with this podcast. So I thank you very much. My thanks to Simone Canego. You can find out more about her in the show notes. I invite everyone to tell me what you've always wanted to try and please take a moment to fill out a brief survey so I can know who's here. You'll find it at lizsumner.com slash survey. I'm Liz Sumner, reminding you to be bold, and thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.